to the ghouls next door yeah we talk about spooky stuff sometimes yes sometimes we talk spooky life yeah spooky real spooky real spooky all the time yeah we are doing a kind of impromptu series it became a series uh and i don't know when we're gonna be done it you know we're just gonna keep doing it until there's no we feel like we've done it we're doing we'll just keep yeah i think we're gonna we got you know fire fire and dress and we want to highlight some issues so we're gonna do that you want and to so, say things yeah <laughs> uh and you know we wanted to explore uh film and how it can reflect uh the fears and worries of a community mm-hmm. right uh in a way like especially now that everyone's kind of open to that right like yeah. everyone's open to learning and to i don't know about everybody but yeah. a lot more people Yes. In an ideal scenario. <laughs> yeah. Um, slightly more. Yes. Than before. Yeah. I think it's like they want, there's people who want to really see it. Like it, mm-hmm. there was a time, and, and that's something we'll discuss like next week, where, uh, you know, just, I mean, like just a few months ago where people were like, it's not time or we don't mm-hmm. need to talk about that. And when now, is the time? Yeah. It's and now. now it's now. Right. Uh, and so I think uh, people are more susceptible to hearing how their media can be, you know, educational and also, you know, impactful. And mm-hmm. so, um, yeah, that's what we're doing. So we're doing this series that it, it kind of, I guess we called it a horror while black mm-hmm. based off of a. Uh, an article we read for the Lovecraft Country yeah. um, episode. And I was like, yeah, no, that's good. It pretty much hits. It says exactly what we're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> kind of universally. It's just like, these are the things that everyone's been trying to say for a minute. And then yeah. everyone's like, no, 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 no. Not that way. Yeah. Oh, well, it's not that bad. Mm-hmm. And now everyone's, or not everyone, but a lot more people are like, huh. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. You weren't <laughs> you weren't exaggerating. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Let's talk about it. Yeah. That's, I feel like that's the energy or people are like, nah, it's cool. Let's talk about it. Yeah. Or and being loud about it. Yeah. It being like, I'm sorry. Yeah. Right? That's a big, big part of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think there's like, uh, 
this understanding that we haven't really been taking things seriously and that there isn't any like right way to do it or acknowledging that people were trying to do it in these other ways, like thinking of like Cape Kaepernick, right? Mm-hmm. About him kneeling and people taking that their own way and, and being like, not like this, blah, blah, blah. And now that we're like out there protesting and there's riots and loots and, and, and all kinds of stuff like that. And they're like, not like this. And it's like, well, what know, is the right way? Allowed. Please tell us. It does, you know, it doesn't also, matter. Also, who are you, the decider? Yeah. Are you the decider of the correct way to do things? You're not. You're just a person. Yeah. You also yeah. don't get to decide how like people who've been you know, in so much pain, get to yeah. change it. Like, no, who, <laughs> you don't who are you? Yeah. You're a regular human. Yeah. We're all humans. Yeah. You don't get to pick what the right thing is. Yes. Morality is, uh, what's the word? In anthropology, they say it's sub, no, it's not objective. It's subjective. It depends on where you are, mm-hmm. where you're from. Yeah. All that stuff. What so you, you are not yeah. the sole decider of what everyone should be doing with their life, how they're doing it. Yeah. Everyone just needs to listen more. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what I think, you know, we're, we're trying to do here. And so on today's episode, we're going to be talking about a classic, uh, <laughs> a film that is, uh, as old as I am. Ah, I think it's 91, right? Yeah. 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 It's as old as me. I was two. Oh, no, you were. <laughs> no. No. Reverse. I wasn't alive yet, but I would be alive in two years. Yes, yeah. there it is. You were Math. negative two. Negative two. <laughs> you negative two. Uh, you know how it works. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so it, it's much older, and so it is a product of its time. It wasn't intended, like, directly to be what it was. Mm-hmm. I think in, in the way that, like, um, you know, Night of the Living Dead, by casting a black man as the lead, Jodie Romero didn't, like, he just picked the best actor. And mm-hmm. who would he, like, how would he predict that MLK, Dr. MLK would be assassinated when it was airing, like, when it was premiering? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, there's no way that he could have predicted such a thing. Mm-hmm. But then it becomes this, like, staple in the community. And so it does need to be, like, acknowledged. And I think what's great about um, what we're going to talk about, which is Candyman, <laughs> is that there is going to be a new one. Mm-hmm. And it it should have already been out by now, but coronavirus. Yeah. Uh, so it'll be coming out in September. Uh, directed by Nia DaCosta and produced uh, for Monkey Paw Productions, Jordan Peele. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I'm very excited to see how the film is, because it's not a remake, it's it's an, like an mm-hmm. extension, right? It's, it's a sequel in a way. Yeah. And like done deliberately. Ah. And like, you know, like that's where, like I'm very yeah. excited to see how you take this tale and it's it's being used by people who should be using it, right? It's mm-hmm. their tale to tell. Nothing about us without us. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and just, like, how they, you know, take it back. Because it wasn't ever intended to be this when it was first written as a short story. And um, it, you know, and, and would knowingly became something quite important. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Candyman... Do you yes. want to read what it's about? Sure. We're talking about Candyman. Uh, is it this top yes. time? Okay. The Candyman. A murderous soul with a hook for a hand is accidentally summoned to reality by a skeptic grad student researching a monster myth. That is such a weird description of what it... But okay. Director. Bernard Rose. Writer. Clive Barker. It's based on uh, The Forbidden. Yes, which is a short story in the... Blood and Bones, I want to say that's what the anthology is called, which is cool. apparently going to get adapted. 
Nice. So that's going to be interesting. Uh, the original Clive Barker short story um, was it set in the UK and did not feature uh, a black man as, as Candyman. It was a white man, and it was more about uh, classism mm-hmm. and kind of like this disparity between between um, these two uh, classes. So it was more of that. It was and, and also about like what like rumor and uh, stereotype kind of mm-hmm. like becomes because that's what urban legends are, right? They're just what we uh, pass along and it gets distorted and it, and mm-hmm. it all starts from like, you know, a, a small, like the, the story of like the candy man is like that myth that everyone hears about the razors and the candy, mm-hmm. which actually um, there's a great uh, documentary about urban legends where they discuss about like, how there was actually a candy man, which was like this man who put arsenic in one of those like um one of those like sugar Pixie tubes. sticks. Yeah, but like the big ones. Mm-hmm. He put some arsenic or something like that in there and it ended up killing his son and his son's friend. And it was like cause he wanted to get rid of his son and like he uh, I remember us talking about this. Yeah. Never mind. I was just like, oh Yeah. Uh that's but he, really uh, continue. <laughs> no worries. Uh it like they, it was just those two kids, but it's kind of like you know, like the aspirin. That was like not so much a urban legend as that really did happen. These things mm-hmm. happen, but they get like blown out of proportion, right? And so yeah. You have people like because well, everyone's gossiping about it. They're posting. Well, now you know we have the social media chain where it's mm-hmm. like, did you, you fact check that? This? No, uh, no, not at all. But I'm going <laughs> to share it, and you you go to it and you notice it's not. It's fine, but it's we're just sharing. We're sharing information. Or we just share headlines, yeah. and we don't read the actual articles. Yeah, so that you don't know what's actually being yeah. said. Or you click the little eye, mm-hmm. the little eye. You click that, and then it says, "This is the onion," and it's satirical. Yeah, <laughs> you could just the do little that. eye is very helpful in that it tells you if this is a reliable source or how long it's been there. Yeah, too, because it'll say this thing has existed since 2012. If something says this just popped up, it has one post, and it's been here since two minutes ago. I'm like, nope. <laughs> Yeah, it's just, yeah, it's honestly challenging the populace. Yes. Who maybe are not well-trained in media analysis and uh, questioning. Media literacy, yeah. Media literacy and stuff like that. Just, yeah, you just got to keep an eye out because that's urban legends are basically very similar. It's word of mouth. You're just telling people. People don't keep track of it. Yeah. They're not really asking hard and fast questions. You know, they're just like, this is what happened. Tell your friends. Yes. Yeah, exactly. And then you're, you know, you, it's fear mongering as well. Whisper down the lane. Mm-hmm. It comes yeah, out telephone. different. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I wanted to uh, start this episode with uh, a quote from the Clive Barker short story, The Forbidden, because I think it's such an interesting um, quote to start it out with that I can see how Bernard Rose, like, took that and was like, mm-hmm. okay, I'm going to put this in Chicago instead. Because yeah. I think, like, you can kind of, like, it's shown in the film, like, very deliberately. So, mm-hmm. um, here it is. Like a flawless tragedy, the elegance of which structure is lost upon those suffering in it, the perfect geometry of the Specter Street estate was only visible from the air. No doubt the estate and its two companion developments had once been an architect's dream. No doubt the city planners had wept with pleasure at a design which housed three and 36 persons per heck. Hector, Hector, uh, Words. <laughs> uh, and still boasted space for a children's playground. Doubtless fortunes and reputations had been built upon Specter Street, and at its opening fine words had been 
spoken of its being a yardstick by which all future developments would be measured. Uh, which is essentially like we had this development that was intended to be the future. It was intended uh-huh. to be uh, a future uh, a state for families. It has a playground. Uh-huh. Um, and it's <laughs> it makes sense structurally, but when you place it into this um, into this space. So when we take it um, to Chicago, right, uh, into Cabrini Green, mm-hmm. it's reflected in that these are the the, the housing units, right, uh, for lower income. And then right across the tracks, yeah. we have replica or like similar fashioned buildings that mm-hmm. were also designed in, in exactly the same way to be for lower income housing, being renovated and gentrified yep. for the white people and the like more wealthy people literally just like down the street. Yeah. And so even though this original story was that of classism, mm-hmm. right? And this is something I, I feel like we keep finding and like it's not f- by mistake <laughs> that yeah. in other countries we see classism as the problem and there is just like direct, you know, uh, wealth distribution between Mm -hmm. like different classes of people and that's like a a pivotal problem like it it gets you know replicated in a lot of korean films like Mm -hmm. i just i've been watching the kingdom very much in there (laughs) like it's very much about that right uh but everywhere right classism Mm -hmm. is everywhere but here classism almost like almost exclusively because of the narratives and in the way that our, mm-hmm. our press works and the way that these rumors work in our country, it is related to race, mm-hmm. right? So it's like the reason why we, you know, during Reagan have, you know, the phrases of like the welfare queen when mm-hmm. there's like, you think white women aren't the ones who are also there. Yeah. <laughs> like I've only ever known white people who've had welfare, <laughs> like, yeah. you know? And so we have almost like, exclusively tied race to our classism. Mm -hmm. And so it makes sense for for Bernard, if you're going to put it into Chicago, to transform this story from being that of, like, here's this, like, you know, wealth disparity and and that issue instead being a race issue. Mm -hmm. Um, And the problem with that is that, like, who is he to make it a race issue? Yeah. Um, and so, well, they, yeah, because the person making it is a white person. Yes. And so I think like we miss a lot of marks. And that's not to say that this isn't a very historical and impactful film. Mm-hmm. And there are things about it that are, are revolutionary. And so, yeah. like um, in the, uh, the documentary Horror Noir, there's a great commentary about Candyman. And there's like this awe in that he was like the first, like, villain mon- like monstrous supernatural mm-hmm. villain that was a black man yeah. right like before you have like freddy and you have jason and you have all mm-hmm. that but they didn't have a black man who did that yeah and so to have one that's like kind of like you had compassion for him mm-hmm. because you hear a story and you well, yeah, see that. the story is sad yes like it's not like he is out here yeah. just for fun he's not freddy doing, when you're yeah. like Nah, you need to burn him yeah. again. <laughs> like, yeah, or like he actually experienced awful things yes. and like undeserving of those things to happen yes. to him. So, yeah. and I think that's like so for that right, and to have a story that takes place in Cabrini Green and to feature uh, a predominant like there being like more black people on screen, mm-hmm. albeit not portrayed very well or yeah. used very well and used well, they, in a very were, traditional horror way they were used yeah as fodder mm-hmm. throughout like yeah. every 
person of color, not ex- every single one, but most of the, vi- all of the victims were people yes. of color. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I feel like that's intentional. Yeah. Except I yeah. think the psychiatrist. Oh yeah. Yeah. But, I, right. but pretty much, yeah, pretty much. It, it was black women who were being attacked. Mm-hmm. And so, I, and I think there's a, an issue. So like, you know, we, when we see this, right. Uh, it, it kind of shows like the glaring like issues with it. Right? Like mm-hmm. there was clearly something that's missing. And I think the biggest part of that is in the fact that like when you're watching this film and you hear about Candyman's backstory in which he was uh, an artist who painted uh, wonderful things. His dad was uh, a former slave and, and then they he learned art and, and mm-hmm. science and he was, you know, amazing. And he painted this white woman and they fell in love. Yeah. And then she got knocked up. And so then he was lynched. They cut off his art hand. They yeah. shoved a, a, hook. a hook in there. Uh, they filled him. They put a, a honey on him mm-hmm. and then had the bees uh, attack him. And then they set him on fire because he just can't do enough. Right. Yeah. Uh, and you're told this like horrific story and it's almost kind of like passive, like, there it is, <laughs> you know, yeah. like, and you don't get a backstory really like that, like in the the short story. Um, but it, it was just there to kind of like explain away his pain and why it's so residual. Yeah. But I think like the issue there is that he is attacking Cabrini Green, right? He is attacking these people who look like him and who are suffering in the way, like as a result, like in yeah. the same, like <laughs> it's the same world, right? Yeah, he's attacking the wrong people. Yeah, when right across the way are the, like in horror noir, it's explained, like right across the way, right across the tracks are the, like, you know, those people's ancestors are the ones who did that to him. Mm-hmm. Why isn't he over there? Why is yeah. he like pursuing this woman who does not belong there? Who's <laughs> just yeah. like waltzing in, taking pictures yeah, being of just people's very disrespectful. Like, this is their life, and you're like acting like you're in like a cave of wonders. Yeah, like no, it was very like I guess voyeuristic. Is that the yeah, word? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was gross, and like her whole thing is she's trying not to be that person yeah. while 100% being that person. Yeah. Like, I'm trying to be respectful, but I'm not because I'm just going to take pictures and lie to this kid. And it's like, she mm. was like, the, she was just being a Karen. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. This is what she was doing. And I think it's because like, to her, like she has a very one track mind because she mm-hmm. doesn't have the knowledge to be educated on the the intricacies of that community. And even her friend, who's a black woman, also was kind of distanced from that. Like she's like, I don't even go over there and I lock my doors. And yeah. because that place is so seeping with the rumor and with the those that lore, mm-hmm. just like Candyman is, right? Yeah. Uh, that we are afraid of it the same way we're afraid of that man. Who's not real. Well, yeah, if you think of it like how people, like, people in the suburbs are scared of the city. Mm-hmm. Or there's certain neighborhoods in the city that people don't go to. And it's like, people live there. Yeah. Like, what do yeah, you mean? Yeah, life. People, yeah. their lives are there. Yeah. So, like, there's no place that's unlivable in the city. There's places where disproportionately, like, are put things upon them that mm-hmm. shouldn't be. But, like, people act like it's this big boogeyman. Mm-hmm. The city yeah. or, like, areas of the city that yeah. are just ungoable. Yeah, like North Philly, right? Mm-hmm. It's just, like, people won't go up there. And it's, like, people live there. That's a community of people. You yeah. have to live that every day. And, you like, it's kind of like when, you know, the white savior thing where they go down to Africa and they take pictures with, like, a, you know, an African child and they're mm-hmm. on their hip. And it's just, like, who the 
It's like life changing. What are you talking about? Yeah. And it's so, like, I was like watching her and I was so mad. I was like, how dare you? There was a good TikTok that basically was like, where are all those mission trip chicks? (laughs) Yeah. Who propped that kid up on their knee and was like, ah. Yeah. Life changing. Oh my God. And then it's like, yeah, what are you doing? Where where are you right now? Yeah. In this movement. Well, that's (laughs) the thing is like, they're just tourists, right? They, They can never really be in that environment. And I think like there's a line. Uh, that's said in the beginning when they're kind of like discovering it and she figures out like a woman was murdered because the janitor Mm -hmm. um, uh, told her the story and they're like, but I don't know nothing about that, right? And it was like this whole thing Mm -hmm. uh, where her friend says like, this isn't like a joke. A a woman died there, right? And it made me think of like the true crime community where Mm -hmm. people so often are like idolizing or like, like unintentionally idolizing, but like, the way that they've kind of fetishize these crimes and mm-hmm. those who committed them and like, you know, eat up these, you know, podcasts. And I, I mean, I've been one of those people and I yeah. always was like, why does this feel bad? Like, why yeah. is this bad? And it's like, oh, because we don't remember the victims' names, right? Yeah. We only remember the killers and we And hear, it's like exploiting their loss yes. and like the pain that they experience. It's just kind of like making it like a fun entertainment piece yeah. instead of something it's that like is horrible that happened to a human. Ted Bundy's victims' families are still around. Uh, Jeffrey Dahmer's victims' families are still around. And the thing about Jeffrey Dahmer is that he specifically targeted black men mm. because they tended to not have as much hair. Right, they did not have as much hair, and he was into, like, them looking like a mannequin. It's very complicated. Again, I've done a lot of research. But it was, like, that part of it is so, like, swept under. No one Mm -hmm. even thinks about that. Like, he was a terror to the black community. Yeah. Like, what he was doing to, like, BIPOC is ridiculous. Yeah. And it's, we just see them as, like, not even names. They're just victim number one. And you don't really put any real thought into them being a real person. And I think, like, that's what Candyman is all (laughs) about. Like, that's what Urban Legend is about. Energy that was in there. Yeah. It was just kind of like, ugh, you don't matter. We're just going to like go take pictures of this murder scene. Who cares about anyone who died? It's kind of, I also think of it like how we treat America and it's been built on the blood of Native Americans. Yeah. And like, all these indigenous people. Yeah. And then we like make the poltergeist and we're like, they're yeah. angry and all of Stephen King's work. Yeah. <laughs> Went on a rant about Stephen King earlier. I'll tell you about later. Okay. <laughs> you I'm think he would learn, and then he didn't. Um, anyway, yeah. uh, I wanted to quote, uh, so we, we had a few uh, different articles that we were pulling from. Mm-hmm. Uh, one is this one on The Ringer uh, about um, this film. And so there's actually a quote from Rose, uh, Bernard Rose, the director, and mm-hmm. uh, how and why he put it on to Chicago. And he said, the fear of the urban housing project, it seemed to me, was actually totally irrational because you couldn't really be in that much danger. Yes, there was crime there, but people were actually afraid of driving past it. Uh, And for Rose, what makes dilapidated buildings like Cabrini Green so scary to people on the outside is, again, a sort of superstition, a prejudice. It's sort of a kind of fear that's at the heart of modern cities, and obviously it's racially motivated. But more than that, it's poverty motivated, Um, which those go hand in hand. Yeah. (laughs) That's the whole point um, of what this our racial system does. And, And I think it's like there was like one of these articles. I'm sorry, there's so many. I was looking at it and it essentially was like the real villain of this 
movie is Helen. Yeah. Is this tourist who comes in and stirs up this trouble and, like, brings back to life this rumor. Like, she's, Uh like, it's literally just, like, those people just live in their life. They're just going by, doing their thing. They're Uh suffering from crime, right? And in, in the way that they've always done and it's been ignored, right? Mm-hmm. And then her tourist self comes in, starts taking pictures of their walls, like people aren't living there trying to get up the staircase with their groceries. Mm-hmm. Like, I so aggravated. Yeah. <laughs> Walking into the people's houses, like how are you gonna go up into a house? Like you're in an apartment that you do not own. Yeah. That is a cr- that was a crime scene. Like what are yeah, you doing? Like you don't have any right to be there. Yeah. By any means. And also she's just like invading upon everyone's like space. Like yeah. it's just definitely Really gross. And not I'm realizing why that's a problem. Yes. Was a big well, thing. Well, that's too. kind of, it's a white yeah. person. Well, and I think, <laughs> like, people do. Th- there's like one line where she does remark where she says, like, a woman was murdered and there's all this crime and all that stuff that happens and nothing happened. Like, they never get any help. But then the second that she got attacked and uh-huh. a white woman calls, they came running. Yeah. Right. And it was like, like, I get, like, I get why she was afraid. I get why she, like, did that but that little boy was right he was like you said yeah. it was gonna be fine yeah and you lied like you put mm-hmm. me in jeopardy like you can't yeah. be co- what are took you doing? this kid to the police station for how many hours yeah like, where's his parents like you you can't take a child that is not your child with you to anywhere yeah witnessing anything or not like they're not legally allowed to do that wild so wild. they would have had to go back later find that kid's mom or parent or whoever mm-hmm. and ask if they could take him. Yeah, and you know they'd be like, no. Yeah. I ain't helping this lady. What was she doing here? Yeah. And it's like, you have a, the very pathetic looking, like, criminals. Like, it's, they're like, it's, there's uh, uh, gangs outside. And they were just, like, hanging out in yeah. there. Like, they were not, <laughs> like, if this was supposed scary. to be something you're afraid of, like, they were doing nothing. They were just like, you shouldn't be here. Yeah, what are you doing here? <laughs> and they're like, no, I should I should be here. And it's like, no, you really shouldn't. What yeah. are you doing? And, like, thinking that they were and, like, also, you're just, too. like, walking up in their space. You should be answering their questions. You don't live here, lady. <laughs> yeah. Yes. There's so much of it where it's just like, ah. Where um, it's like, literally, like, this is their house. And yes. you're walking into their house telling them they don't need to know why you're walking into their house. Yeah. Ridiculous. That's, it's called America. Yeah. It's called America. That's what they do. Yeah. You walk into their house and say, it's mine now. It's the American way. Yep. Manifest <laughs> um, destiny. <laughs> yep. That's and how it works. Uh, yeah. There's like so, there's so much um, in this that could be dissected. Like we can go on and on and on. And this is like our, our mini so I, uh-huh. I don't want to go too much into it. But I there was this article from the Rolling Stone um, that I thought was really important about mm-hmm. it because it it was to me it kind of reflects what we see these days in, in the argument of like black on black crime right this mm-hmm. fiction of that and like like there's not white on white crime uh <laughs> or like why that is that why that is supposed to be a deterrent for us yeah. to not still care about any kind of crime on people yeah <laughs> like what uh so it's the whole all lives matter yes thing. It's, yeah, yeah. Continue. Uh, <laughs> so here's a, a a quote in a block from the rolling stones article folklore by black people and folklore about black people have often been at odds White hegemony has made it so that the morbid whispers of the latter category can multiply in force until commonly accepted, ultimately becoming powerful enough to permanently imprint on a nation's psyche. I am the writing on the wall, the whisper in the classroom, he says to Helen. Without these things, I am nothing. So now I must shed innocent blood. Come with me. 
Later, he drives the point home again. I am rumor. It is a blessed condition, believe me, to be whispered about at street corners, to live in other people's dreams, but not to have to be. And so that to me is like what Candyman to me was, mm-hmm. is uh, superstition. It is uh, the stereotypes against black people. Mm-hmm. He is just the embodiment of uh, decades and decades of rhetoric against black people, uh, villainizing them mm-hmm. and, and making them, you know, in any way that they can, the villain of our society. Yeah. And so he is just the embodiment of that. And, and that's how he lives and thrives. And the reason why he was so powerful in this film is because Helen, as a white woman, even though she was trying to fight against it, did believe in those things. Mm-hmm. You know, she doesn't believe in supernatural, right? She doesn't believe gave, in urban legends. She gave him strength through her racism. Exactly. <laughs> Thanks, Helen. Uh, and I think that's like it, right? Like, it's kind of like in Lovecraft Country where we had the uh, white man, I forget his name, Henry, I think, where, yeah, Henry Winthrop, who had his, like, half-black family mm-hmm. living in this white neighborhood and thought the villain was the supernatural thing and not realizing the villain was white people who are going to hate your mixed-race family, right? Mm-hmm. That's what Helen is, right? She doesn't believe in this supernatural, but she does just by way of existing in America, mm-hmm. believe those stereotypes. Mm-hmm. Like, she just thought she was above them. Yeah. Like, she didn't, like, she, when they were like, there's gangs and stuff in this neighborhood, right? Yeah. She didn't say, no, <laughs> like, these people are people and they're just hurting. Yeah. She said, just don't pay them any minds. Like, she was like, just, they can't hurt us. Yeah. Right? Well, because she feels invincible. Yeah. As, as but it was like, she wasn't, like, really looking at the problem, mm-hmm. she was just like, yeah, but yeah. <laughs> I can do whatever I want. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And I think it's that's... Fine. It's fine. Sh- yeah. It's like yeah. a sh- black woman who's yeah. my friend who I haven't really listened to this entire time and then dies because of me. Like, <laughs> for no good reason. Yeah. Wonderful. Well, yeah. I guess if you're talking back for horror noir, it's literally that, like, best friend mm-hmm. who asks if you're okay the entire time. Yes. Exactly. And that's what her role was, which is so tragic in a story. Um, and then, you know, there's, I think, the one of the big issues in what is brought up in horror noir. And one of the obvious things that we see when we look at Candyman is um, this issue with mixed race couples. Mm-hmm. And also like this, uh, like, villainization. <laughs> I feel like I'm making up that word. Uh, I think it's a word, yeah. A monstrization of the black man Mm -hmm. as being this predatory monster upon the virginal pure white woman, Mm -hmm. which is what we saw at the beginning of time for film with Birth of a Nation, right? Mm -hmm. Which was uh, heralded as like, you know, uh, one of the most amazing films. It was shown in the White House under, (laughs) like, yeah. And and it it showed uh, a white man in blackface who was Gus, who was pursuing this white woman, and he's clearly, like, the problem. And he ends up getting uh, lynched by the Ku Klux Klan, who Mm -hmm. are heralded as, like, the heroes of this story. Like, they are the heroes. And this was, like, shown in White House, and it was shown as, like, you know... Like, this is what the truth is. Yes. And, Mm -hmm. that, and you know, in Horror Noir, they also talk about how, you know, for some areas in the country, like, this was their only glimpse of of black people representation of black people that didn't include black people yes exactly and in in this way that showed them as being Mm -hmm. uh, ignorant and being monstrous and preying upon their women and when you live in a world where uh 
you know, you have someone like Emmett Till who was murdered just for like smiling at a white woman, mm-hmm. right? Viciously murdered. Yeah. Like you can't have films like that and not see how there's a result. Like you cannot look at that and not be like, okay, media literacy is important and yeah. representation is important. And that's why it's like, that's one of the big problems I had with this film was like we had something like Birth of a Nation and then later you have something like King Kong, mm-hmm. right? We have these like narratives where there's this, you know, representation of a black male pursuing a white woman and he is the villain. Mm-hmm. And you have that same thing again. Again and again. Yeah. Here. And that's not to say that like there is any, like, no. <laughs> I mean like multiracial families are beautiful. That's yeah. what we, like, we have both of us, yeah. like both of us are doing that, right? Uh, and it is beautiful. And But when one, uh, what we really only see in media tends to be like when we think of, of you know, interracial couples, they generally are on screen as a white and black, like, people. And it's usually, like, oh, look who's coming to dinner. Yeah, so, <laughs> like, the main topic of the film. Most yeah. Of the t- or it's, like, a heavy overlaid topic of mm-hmm. the film. So, like, get out. I yes. mean, that's why. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this <laughs> was a direct commentary on, the, like, who, yeah. who's coming to dinner. Yeah. <laughs> right? Um, or uh, the blind show. The Netflix Love, oh, is, Love Blind. is Blind. Yeah. Like, in the interviews later, she was like, yeah, race is an issue, but it wasn't, like, that big of an issue, but they amped it up to be mm-hmm. our only They made thing. it like it was, like, the biggest deal. Yeah. yeah. And she was like, and yeah. it is a big deal yes. to a point. Yes. But yeah. it's not, like, the only piece of who people are. Yeah. And yeah. it's, like, and when it comes to, like, like, the one thing that we, like, I enjoyed about Midsummer was that we had an interracial couple that didn't feature a single white person in it, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it was, like, there's other races to yeah. be interracial <laughs> dating yeah. for, right? But I think also the problem is, like, when you have, like, this isn't even an interracial couple, right? Uh, yeah. In his story, it was, he, they had loved each other, right? Mm-hmm. And, and, and in this, like... He's just preying upon this woman who shouldn't be there, uh, who's, you know, going through her own issues and struggling and eventually does die and then becomes like this pathetic, like who's going to yell Helen in the mirror besides her terrible ex-husband? Like nobody. She'll never understand it. She'll never be the rumor that he was. Yeah, it was, it was, it was weird. And I mean, honestly... As you said, it just kind of continues that, like, that the only way that that can exist is if it's some sort of predatory thing. Like, that it's not. So you have, like, all those websites that are, like, gen- are race traders. Yeah. Um, and, like, coming after people who have, like, been taken. Like, that's how they frame it. Like, mm-hmm. that you're a traitor to your race. Yeah, your or that, controls, Yeah, like- that, like, you could not willingly be in those situations because of whatever racism that they have or exist everywhere in the country. Um, Okay. (laughs) Yes. Yes. But yeah, so I feel like it's just like, it kind of just fuels that fire too, where it's just like, oh, it can't. Yeah. Monsters. It's monster time happening. Yeah. And I think like with this film, right, we – there's so many opportunities to be a direct commentary on these issues mm-hmm. and to do it in a way that's intentional to say, like, look at what's wrong, right? But because it is from the lens of a white person who, you know, n- nothing about us without us, right? Like, mm-hmm. we don't have that, you know, information. We don't have that point of view. And so it 
there is a lot of problems with the film. Mm -hmm. um, and there was so much potential if you're going to, like, you know, do that. Uh, and, you know, what we've discussed on this show in, in this series is, like, when films do it right, right? Mm -hmm. And our next episode is going to be that, when it's done right. Um, and there's this really, really good article that I read from the Chicago Tribune that literally mm -hmm. came out right after the, the film had premiered. Uh, and there's, like, so much about it, but... Uh, the Carl Franklin had a lot to say about the film saying that it was irresponsible and racist. Yeah. And for a lot of reasons, like the fact that we had like a large boogeyman who was a black man, right? Like mm -hmm. he saw a problem with that because he saw it as being uh, the fears of middle class white people being brought to life. And that's, you know, what it is really, mm -hmm. right? Um and he says, it unabashedly uses racial stereotypes and destructive myths to create shock. I found it hokey and unsettling. It didn't work for me because I don't share those fears and buy into those myths. Um, and he says that he was, you know, really uh, offended by the fact that, you know, he was pursuing a white woman. He said it smacked of King Kong mm -hmm. uh, and all that, right? And the fact that it also was that he was exacting revenge or pain onto the very community that he should be protecting mm -hmm. and that he is a representative of. And so it doesn't make any sense. Uh, but my favorite <laughs> line from that article was actually like at the end, it was like, all I'm saying is that Spike Lee probably wasn't, wouldn't like this film. <laughs> I was like, yeah. Um, Cause when I watched it, when we yeah. watched it, I was like, there's no way, like there's so much that's wrong with this and it, it's so apparent mm -hmm. um, and painful honestly, because of the ignorance of it. Um, but I do understand, like, where there's parts of it that were mm -hmm. exceptional, right? Like, the fact yeah. to have Tony Todd like that, right? Yeah. Uh, and, and the fact that he was, like, alluring, you mm -hmm. know? Like, he wasn't, like, Freddy. He was, like, scarred and evil. Oh, like, yeah, he's, no, he, he's, he was nice. Yeah. yeah. He was beautiful. Yeah, and him just being, like, be my victim. It's like, okay. Yeah, he's <laughs> got a great like, voice. Right? right? Uh, and it's not until you see, like, the bees. Like, all that is, like, so late. In, mm -hmm. in like, he's not necessarily scary throughout. Like, the reality of the people being murdered mm -hmm. in his presence is scary. Yeah. But, like, him himself, he was not. Yeah, I think it's, like, the scary. myth was so much scarier than him. And Urban Legend is so much scarier than him. Uh and he was just like, like, you can understand that yeah. kind of thing. Um, yeah. And I feel like it all ties back to the fact that, like, lots of media in the 90s was made without much thought mm -hmm. in terms of trying to say something that isn't offensive. Yeah. Um, even up until, like... Yeah. Or, like, late 2000s. Even now, it's still... Yeah. <laughs> and I just feel like no one... or. Not a lot of people were wearing their media analysis glasses and did not understand, like, or maybe weren't at a place where they were ready to understand all of these things. Mm -hmm. um, and then just kind of made inexcusable actions during that time that resulted in the reality that we have now. But, like, I feel like people are now starting to realize how deeply media impacts us as a society as capitalists like capitalism mm -hmm. everything like how ingrained it is since it's so everywhere with like technology improving and all of that where mm -hmm. it's we really start to see the bigger impact of like what it means when you say these things mm -hmm. and how that impacts people in a very real and like per like i don't know like visceral way where it's yeah. just like it affects everyone because we're all experiencing it and it's everywhere yeah i think like 
also part of it of the 90s like with you know with the exception of like tales from the hood which is by a black director right mm-hmm. I mean, it's distinctly stories that are targeting things that black people were suffering from is that the 90s and what we grew up in was a very much a colorblind society mm-hmm. that felt themselves above racism and that that was done like it was finished right and it's it's very much like michelle alexander's uh the new jim crow they're mm-hmm. really like her book was to combat this ideology that racism was over and yeah. that because jim crow wasn't there and because we weren't writing like the actual racism into the laws, like, very bluntly, right? Yeah. The fact that we were going around them was was a problem, right? Like, yeah. So I think, like, that's a big part of why there's so much ignorance. And and when you look back, it it does not age well. A lot of 90s things, like watching Law & Order, you're just like, oh, disgusting. Because Mm -hmm. people, like, we thought, like, everyone just thought everything was okay if we were throwing punches at everyone, that that meant it was equal and it was fair, mm-hmm. but it, you were still ignoring and and not fighting against it because you were pretending it wasn't there. Um, yeah, and so that's why I'm super excited about the to new see one. Nia DaCosta's thing. Yeah, and like they posted um, a great uh, short little piece from it, which has like the puppets that shows the different um, ways in which uh, Black people were lynched or. or hurt in different ways throughout our history mm-hmm. and it's a mix of like Candyman's lore but it also has like the young man who was um uh convicted or, or accused of killing two little white girls and was the first mm-hmm. the youngest um person to be on death row, de- on death row and mur- murdered that yeah. way uh the man who was like dragged behind a car yeah. for miles until he died like all of those things are, are in there and you can tell that like it is deliberate, mm-hmm. and it's taking this back, and it's like, okay, if you want to tell our story, if you because this there's so much potential here, mm-hmm. let's do it. Let's do it the right way, and to have you know uh, amazing like cast like we have, um, our Doctor Manhattan comes back, right? Yeah. <laughs> so it's he's like it's great. so amazing to see him on the screen, and, and I'm super excited for it. And we will do uh, an episode when it does come out because. I'm sure we'll have so much to say. Yeah. And there's actually a a quote that you put in here that I think should be said, because it is still talking about the older one that Mm -hmm. is committing the things that it did. Yeah, yeah. But it's from UCR. Mm -hmm. um, And Jennings and Einzer, award-winning graphic novelist and professor of media and cultural studies. So very cool stuff. I wish I was doing that. (laughs) Uh, From the University of California, Riverside, uh, says that it's kind of timeless because it's one of the first horror movies that really deals with one of the most horrific things in America. And that's the chattel slavery, violence against black people in America, Jim Crow laws, and anti-misgeneration. Misgeneration. Yes. Laws. He says that... That's what Candyman represents. You have this beautiful white woman who says, you don't exist. And it enrages him because he's like, no, I do exist. And you're going to deal with me or else. Because it's like, that's kind of where we are now. Yeah, right. <laughs> where it's like everyone's like sweep it under. You don't exist. This doesn't exist. Racism isn't real. Yeah. I don't see color. Myth, like how, yeah. how you know small of this community to be afraid of this boogeyman. Yeah, and, and it's not like racism. The boogeyman isn't real. is racism, right? Yeah. Like the boogeyman is real. Candyman Where is like, real. Slavery was so long ago. It's like you know people who do sh- say things like that. Yes. Um, where it's just, no, it is. You just haven't been paying attention. And also, society has very intentionally made you an idiot. So <laughs> yeah. um, we're now at a point where we're like, everyone, look. You cannot escape it. Mm-hmm. It is happening 
it has been happening. Make everything inconvenient so that everyone sees. Yeah. That's the vibe I got from that quote. I wanted to express. Yeah. No, I, yeah, that's why I pulled it. Because yeah. it is um, exactly it. You're right. He is the embodiment of those fears, and he is real. Yeah. And that's why we don't say his name five times. I think we did this whole episode, and I'm sorry. <laughs> um, Oops. But as we say here, uh, don't get married. Delete your kids. Yeah, and stay tuned for the future of Candyman. Yeah, it'll be better. September, I it'll be It'll be a better time. I'm it'll say all the things. Thank you, Jordan. Societal you, horror, Nia. let's Man, go. I'm so excited. Societal horror, let's <laughs> go. We'll talk about it in our next episode, too, because it's yes. like a whole trend. Yeah. But like a good one that stays and yeah. goes forever. I'm excited. Yeah. All right. Well, bye. Bye.